Welcome to Photo Mission Exposure, the podcast for photographers. In the studio today, I have Susan. Susan, how are you? I'm excellent, thank you. Susan, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, well, I've been around in the industry for about, well, officially about 15 years. I am the owner of Brisbane Camera Hire and Brilliant White Studio. Yeah, it keeps me very busy. Yeah. And Susan, like, where did your interest in photography come from? Where did it start? Mm, well, probably back when I was actually really quite young, my dad was in the industry. He was had a career in film and TV and worked for the ABC. Uh, so he was more in that that film side of things, but also a very keen photographer. So I have I grew up with my dad. You know, he would make the bathroom into a makeshift dark room and would process film and I'd watch him hang his prints, you know, on the shower curtain and, and that sort of thing. And so I became quite fascinated by this analog film process and uh, we would have to He'd make a sit for a birthday portrait every year on, you know, his RB67, this big honking camera and would sit. And it was just such a delightful process. It was definitely a, yeah, I was really fascinated by it. I, I never thought though that I would have a career in it. It was just, I just had an interest in photography from a young age. But there we go. The universe is a funny thing and it has turned out that I have ended up having a career in the industry. And it's funny you say that because I actually draw a lot of parallels. Like I grew up, my dad was a photographer, built a massive big telescope. We had no backyard, so you'd take these amazing pictures of the moon type of stuff. So we grew up with a darkroom and originally we had there the, the, the converted bathroom darkroom, but then he built under the house a proper full-on darkroom. Probably your mum got annoyed and said, get it out of the yeah, get, get this out of the house. Yeah. I hate the smell of fixer. Well, I love the smell I of fixer. I still love it. <laughs> so it's funny how a lot of people who who've got into the industry have this, you know, there's been a, there's been a connection there. There's been something that's happened through family or, 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 you know, for a relative that's got them hooked on photography. So how old would you have been at, at that time, do you reckon? Young. We, we had to sit for our birthday portraits, you know, which is a lovely process. And then when I turned 21, I was gifted uh, the whole album of all of my portraits. So yeah, young toddler age, you know, and I, I was probably about five or six remembering, yep. you know, processing film and that sort of thing. My dad gifted me my first camera, which was the RB67. I could barely lift it. Um, so I don't shoot it because it is a gigantic camera, but my dad was quite keen for me to, you know, take an interest in it. And I did. So and it's interesting because, and but what a fabulous gift that he gave you because that the foresight to think about crafting those photos and giving that gift of photography because that that's something that I feel for the current generation it's something that's going to be lost because they're taking pictures on their phones, they're not being backed up, they're not being printed, they're not existing anywhere else above them maybe in the cloud and then who mm. knows what happens with the cloud. Absolutely, it's. it's- completely changed now it is now as you say it's all very instant and very clinical and it's phone photos and there's also just millions and millions of photos being produced every minute really yes um and so it's just a a total flood of imagery so those really special photos that you used to take yeah probably not i don't know we may have lost that Uh, look i i feel that we are losing it because i mean i'm growing up like i mean my boys are at home i've got twins that are turned 21 in in October, and that, and one of them's taken a bit of an interest, and he's picked up my old 5D Mark II, and he's been shooting a little bit of stuff of that, and he started doing a little bit of printing. The other boy doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> he's got other interests. 
I suppose they're not. I don't, don't think they're going to have like. I mean, I've got so many photo albums. When I was probably, and again, it was probably a budgetary thing that I used to shoot a lot of transparencies because slides, you bought a roll of slide and you had the processing actually included, in, which is fantastic. Oh, I did not realize that. Okay. Yes. That, not I, now. I've, I've shot, no, no. <laughs> I shot, look, I've got thousands of slides. I'm slowly digitizing them. You know, when Expo 88 was, I just loved, I had a six-month pass, I'd take two bodies in there, typically one load of black and white and one with slide film, and I'd just shoot until I ran out of film. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, how magical. And so when you digitize those slides, did you throw them away? No, oh no, okay. no, 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 right. no, 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 no. Well, well just look, some of, the, some of the stuff, so like the different emulsions, like some of the, um, some of them don't, I mean, in the end I was shooting a lot of Fuji. I, I really love the color signs of the Fuji slides. The Kodachrome, some of the Kodachrome stuff is starting to kind of lose it, show its age, and the Agfa stuff is really stuff I'd shot on Agfa is really starting to fall apart. Yeah, so, <laughs> it will hit the bin eventually. <laughs> yeah, so that's the idea. Of, but it's just such a laborious process of sitting down there scanning the slides. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, we used to do the same thing. We had slides and uh, projector and every now and again my you know, my dad would set it on the coffee table and yep. he'd load the slides in and, um, you know, we'd look at these really old photographs of mum and dad when they were younger, you know, and laugh at their hairstyles and yep. things like that. And, you know, dad had sports cars and it was fascinating. And, you know, half the time the machine would jam up, you know, more than it worked properly. And so it was that and the whole experience and the smell of like dust burning off yes. the globe and, yep. you know, the, the moths would come in, you know, it was a, a magical experience. And then, so he had thousands and thousands of these slides and I found out also recently my mum has digitised them. She's cleaning out oh, the house. So yep. she scanned them all, but she threw them away. Oh, damn. And I was <laughs> – and I get it because now they're digitised and yes, – but yeah. I don't know. It was – I think it was the whole experience, which is what made it magical. The image, yes, but it was the whole experience Exactly. I've, I've still got the projector and, the, and, and that and type of thing. And I think one of the things I remember as a kid, we did exactly the same thing. You know, there would be always these regular slide nights would happen. I remember as young kids, we loved it when the project first came up. We were doing the puppet, you know, the hand puppet. Yes, yes <laughs> all of that. It was magical. Yeah. yeah. And look, I think this generation has probably lost some of that about photography. And, and I think that's where my love of photography started was with those nights of the slide nights and seeing, and particularly when, you know, you know some of the shots. And I was always fascinated. My dad used to love to do long exposure in the city. And it just used to fascinate the hell out of me, these pictures of these light trails. and So <laughs> cool, right? Yeah, so cool. Yeah. You, could, you can actually stretch time. You can actually get this image and you can you know, have this big block of time and compact it into one little block. Yes, and make an image that your eye didn't see. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah. Can't, you can't stand there and visualise that. Like mm. you see cars whizzing past, you don't, you don't kind of see it. So, so when, you, when you first started work, what, did you, what, what area did you go into when you first started? Oh, something completely different. So I was in finance. So I had this great childhood with photography and certainly did still take photos for fun. I did the very responsible thing and I went and I uh, actually worked for Brisbane City Council for a very long time, many years, and it had a few different roles there because it's a huge place. You can, you know, have quite a few different careers, but majority of my time I was in a finance position at, at the council. Somewhere along the line I had started you know what it's like, you get roped into photographing things. Yes, yep. And then it Oh, ramps. you've got a camera? <laughs> yes. Oh, you take photos. And so it ramps up. Next thing you know, you're, you're doing like 21st birthday parties and, and the odd wedding for friends. And 
but I didn't have all of the equipment to do. You know, I just had the equipment that I needed to do the things that I like to do. But yes. suddenly there was like, oh, I, I might need a different lens. I don't have a lens to do that or I don't have a flash, you know, to do your 21st birthday. I didn't have the money to buy one either for, you know, what could have been a one-off. So started investigating whether I could just rent one for the weekend. Yep. Discovered that, no, you you couldn't really. And that's where the, the idea of Brisbane Camera Hire came from. But it still, I still had a full-time job. Yep. And it was just, uh, you know what, I wonder if I can't be the only one. I wonder if there is a market for this. Yes. Turns out there was. Yeah. Because it's interesting because when I, you know, first started in photography, got my first job, buying equipment was incredibly expensive. Like, and it still is today, like at the at the high-end stuff that you want to shoot, the type of lenses you want to use are incredibly expensive. I mean, one of my favourite lenses, I mean, I've gone over to mirrorless. So, you know, I've done the whole transition film to digital DSLRs and I don't think my, you know, my 5D4 hasn't seen any love in since my R5 Aww. came along. <laughs> and now there's an R6 sits beside the R5 because <laughs> I like to have two bodies yeah. and it was very I found it challenging shooting DSLR, switching to mirrorless, like on an event. I yes. like just having that same flow. Yeah. But yeah, so it's kind of like it, gear was expensive, so you couldn't have all the lenses and things that you'd want um, no. to do it. So that's a you know, renting's a good solution. So. Mm. So when did so your your time at the council working there? When, at what point did you kind of transition from that being your kind of income and over to what you currently do today? It was it was crazy, actually. So I sort of had this idea that, I mean, and there were a couple of higher places around and they're still around, you know, there's some long-standing higher places, but it was very intimidating. I didn't feel like I was a photographer. I, you know, I was just into photography. And so then to rent something, you know, they were asking, you know, sort of for ABNs and trade references and bonds and stuff. And I thought, oh, that's a little bit intimidating. So just you know, what would happen if we just put up a website? <laughs> we didn't own any of it, right, other than the kit that I had, which wasn't very much. Yep. So put up this website, no marketing, just quietly put up this website, Brisbane Camera Hire. Not a very imaginative name, but good for SEO. You know, yes, this, yep. this is what people would Google. Put out a price list and just waited to see what happened. And so people, you know, we would get inquiries and, we didn't own any of the equipment on this list. It was crazy, but it was a good way of just, and so we just saw it was booked out or, you know, or maybe we had the lens or maybe we were able to borrow it from another photographer friend and rent it out for them. It was a totally a ballsy move, but it it did allow us to see that firstly, what kind of equipment people were looking for. Yep. And so then could start to get these pieces in one by one. So Still working full-time Brisbane City Council, coming home in the evening and answering, you know, which was just a handful of inquiries at this stage, making notes going, okay, you know, this this could actually take off. It wasn't until I was on maternity leave, so that was 13 years ago. Yep. And I had been at that stage at Brisbane City Council for a long time. I had all the leave in the world and I'm going to take a year off and started really really digging in and and seeing you know this Brisbane camera high thing yeah and so I never went back to Brisbane City Council that was that was it just took off there you go that's and, mm. and look, a lot of business start like that people not sure like it is business is kind of one of those things that can be a bit of a mystery tour 
you don't know where you're going to end up and the type of things that you might get involved with. So, but I know from, you know, many years ago, you were actually connected with um, Photo Frenzy. Yes. Yeah, so you yes. shared some space. We did. Yeah. A couple of years there. Yeah, it was such a great idea. Unfortunately, the 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 building was supposed to be knocked down for the Eastern Busway. Otherwise, we would have happily stayed on there. But that was such a great idea, that collaborative idea. There was, you know, a big group of us and we all did something a little bit different. You know, I had the camera hire and um, Darren Jew and Andrew Merrifield you know, had their printing business and Tony Holden was there and Ian, like it's such a great group of people. I really, I miss it. It was a really great idea. It's kind of like a collaboration, but not in the photo sense, but in the business sense. Absolutely. Yeah. We all, you know, someone came in that front door, say to hire a lens but then happen to have a question about printing or, yes. you know, this file isn't printing how I like it. Hey, Darren, come over here for a sec. You know, it was it was a really cool place. Yes, yeah. yep. Yeah. Like I can remember going actually because there was workshops run from there and I can remember actually going and doing a workshop, a couple of workshops there and they were fantastic and there was a couple of um, little exhibitions. and We used to do all that workshops and exhibitions. We had the studio there. We used to hire out the studio space. So, yeah, so it's it fun kind of, times. It's interesting. I think there's, there's still – a lot to be said about for a group of like-minded people, creatives getting together and working together on stuff, which is you know done um, as collaborations quite often. But even in business, like I said, that's a, a good example of how things can work together. Definitely. And I find now people come through the doors and, you know, it is just, just me now and it's Brisbane Camera Hire and photography seems to be, a, it can be a really isolating job. Yes. And look, it's funny because... On our sister podcast of this, which is Focus, which we've talked about challenges for photographers because of that loneliness. Like, so you, you're a wedding photographer and you're going off and you're shooting this wedding and it's just go, go, go and it's just bang, bang, bang and you're smashing out all these pictures and then all of a sudden you get back to where you, you, you know, you're going to edit them and it's like there's no one. <laughs> there's no one to bounce anything off. So, you know, a lot, a lot of my day is spent just – talking to people come in or, or emailing with photographers that they just have questions about you know now, now at Brisbane Camera High I'm running one-to-ones I'm doing workshops I'm you know got the studio high because yeah it is an isolating job and sometimes people just want something to bounce something off like oh I've got to quote this thing and I'm just not sure do you mind can you just just let me know if I'm on the right track if I send it to you can you just let me know if I'm on the right track yep so yeah that's why it was good having all of us together and this you know, I felt like we could Yeah, that pool of yes, knowledge. Yeah, that pool of knowledge, which was incredible pool of knowledge and such a valuable thing to be able to offer photographers who were coming in that had questions because it it is an isolating experience sometimes. Yep. You doubt yourself. And I think what's what's really interesting and it's probably something that a lot of people are not sure how to approach, but a lot of those photographers at the level they're at are more than happy to share their knowledge. Um of that's the thing I've noticed so much that we've had so many photographers come through on the exposure podcast and they're just so giving of their knowledge because they're comfortable where they're at they're not kind of like worried that if they give this knowledge out someone's going to come in and steal, steal their, their jobs <laughs> yes yeah, steal their jobs no i think absolutely we, we will help anyone that asks for and i think just recognizing that maybe you do need a bit of help and and seeking that out uh will yeah, I think that's incredibly important rather than just sticking your head in the sand and doing the same things over and over that are wrong. Yeah. Well, you know yourself now because you've, you've gone off from that world of being having a pay packet every week guaranteed that you know that you're going to get 
paid to now like going into business and that's for a lot of people a very scary big step to take and a lot of times people at the front end don't ask enough questions of people to get yeah. the knowledge. They eventually learn it and they go, but I wish they'd known that earlier, <laughs> you know. Yes. So asking questions is a really good thing. Yes, that's what I mean. If someone asks me questions, I will give them every everything I know. I will help you. And you all started somewhere. I remember yes. starting somewhere and making mistakes or, you know, stuffing up an entire shoot for something that because the nerves got the better of me. Like I, re- I remember what that was like. Yeah. Um, and it's just human nature. Like, I mean, we all, it's funny because it doesn't matter even like people who shoot have shot their whole lifetime and sometimes they'll first get on a shoot and, and people are still nervous about shooting something, I, something they've shot thousands of times. <laughs> I think if you're not nervous going into a shoot, then that's a problem because every shoot is completely different even, and you should be well prepared. So yep. this shouldn't be that you're just winging it. Yep. But I think it doesn't matter. Once you get there, there will always be something you haven't thought of or some variable, or something hasn't gone quite right, or the client has changed their mind on something. And so having a baseline level of knowledge that then means that you can adapt at the time without being overwhelmed, or that's a really hard thing to teach though as well. And that just, I think, comes with experience and just having shot a lot. Yeah, it does does come with experience and it's it's about managing everything about what you're doing. And like I said, I mean, I'll have a gig to shoot something and when you first get there, you just everything's going to your mind. Oh, what if the camera breaks? What if this yes. happens? <laughs> yes. Format those cards. Have we got enough batteries? <laughs> yes. And it's funny because everyone goes for that. So it's, so it's a normal thing. A lot of people really it challenges a lot of people, and, and yes. actually to the point where I've seen people actually not take on jobs because of that fear. Yep. But I always find like once you get shooting, it just melts. Yep. And you're and- just in the zone, and you're just doing your job. And it's kind of, yeah, but it's normal. It is normal. And it, I think it is, it's that troubleshooting again. Like if you get to a job and something isn't going quite right, say you've got like a two light set up and one of your lights stops working, it's then having the confidence in yourself and going, it's all right, all right, how are we going to make this work knowing yep. that we don't have one light now? Yes. Uh, we're just going to work with one, one light. So it, that's a fair bit of underlying knowledge to to be able to adapt and still produce a result even when something has gone wrong it's a big ask and i think that sometimes people get they get that laser focused or tunnel vision type thing they're going into the shoot and they're going to do it with two lights and this is how i'm going to set them up and this is how i'm going to make it work and then when something changes some people have trouble changing gears yes <laughs> yes and that's something in business <laughs> i think one of the key things in business is you have to be flexible you have to be able to when something happens you have to be able to make changes and then make that work for you. Always have that roll of gaffer tape in your back pocket. That's it. Yep. That's it. Cable ties, <laughs> gaffer tape. Yep, you know <laughs> it. Using MacGyver stuff together. <laughs> exactly. That is such a huge part of it. Yep. Well, it is. It's funny that there's a couple of there's a couple of um, Facebook groups that just kind of put all these different hash together <laughs> lighting setups, and people just mash stuff together because they've had to. I love and it. And then made it work. Absolutely, I love it. Yeah, yep. that's fantastic. So with your, I want to kind of go back to stuff that you would, you know, we talked a bit about your business and what you do and so we know where you're kind of at there, but the stuff that you would shoot, so if you were to, you know, pick up the camera, what, and you wanted to shoot something for yourself, what type of stuff would you go out and look for or what type of stuff would you shoot? Well, I, if I'm shooting for myself purely just for pleasure, I would 
have a film camera in my hand. Yep. Uh, and what I, would typically be loaded in that camera? <laughs> I have well, I have a I have a lot of film cameras, and I can I'm happy to say that I shoot them all regularly, and they all will have film in them. Or I do have certain cameras that I like the look of certain film yes, in. Yep. I don't know if that makes sense or not. I have this beautiful Rolleiflex, a twin lens camera, two point eight, and I. I just can't get on board on anything but black and white in that camera, and I don't—I yep. don't know if that makes sense. I don't know maybe when that camera came out, there possibly was only black and white film, and so it has been, you know, engineered it's for it's the best results. But yeah. I'm and not I sure. But I can't use any other film in that camera. So that camera, I know I'm going to use black and white film in it. I have a a Hasselblad X-Pan yep. in my bag today. Yep. So I always have a camera with me. I'm always. Always, whenever I'm driving anywhere, like double the time because I'm always looking for anything, cool buildings or. Yes, yep. um, so yeah, I've got a, a few personal projects that a couple that I've finished and many that I haven't even started. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it would be a film camera. I think the film as well with all the digital stuff that does kind of feel like work now. That's Brisbane camera hire. You know, yep. I deal with all those cameras all day long, and and so to still be able to do photography without it making it feel like work, that's where the, the film cameras come into it. And I think that for people who haven't shot film, and I know a lot of people like you're kind of discovering film now, like they go off and they discover it. And, and I think one of the one of the things for me is is digital is great for a business side of it because you get that instant feedback. You can see, you can make adjustments on the fly. I mean, you know, so back in the film days, I'd always bracket shoot because I just wasn't quite sure. I'm thinking, okay, I'll just take where I think and then a bit either side and then I'll get something out of that. But you never knew what you got until you actually processed it. And and that was, for me, a part of the, I suppose, the allure of film that, you know, it was this mystery that... Isn't that the when, beautiful part of it? Yeah, and when, and when you got it right, you just high-fived yourself. Yes, <laughs> yes I, and the thing is now, I you know, film processing is... Yeah, it's not it's not cheap. I used to um, scan myself, but I've I've recently sold my scanner, so now I'm paying for develop and process. So yes, it's, you know, quite it's not cheap. So I'll wait and I'll save up until I've got enough rolls of film to make it worth you know dropping in somewhere. So some of these rolls of film I would have shot 12, 18 months ago. I don't yep. even remember what's on them. And so I think today, when everything's very instant gratification, we take a million iPhone photos, and you know we don't wait for anything to have taken a photo put it in a drawer and see it in a year's time is and then you get to relive that moment. Oh, I totally forgot I even took that I was, photo. I was just going to say. It's amazing. I was just going to say because I've done similar. And do you have something that has, when you get the back? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't recall that at all. <laughs> Where did that photo? It's really nice. Where did that come from? Yes. And it's funny how you, sub, I suppose, subconsciously take photos. Sometimes you'll see something, you'll take a photo, and then it'll just go. And you just forget about it until you actually see it. And then yes. you go, that's a really cool photo. Oh, and hope it actually, turned out. <laughs> yeah, it turned out. Well, that's the thing. I think it's it's kind of, and that was the, I mean, it was always, I know, you tried to really, I suppose, the difference today is that people just, you know, the spray and pray technique. So you can just take a heap of shots and just whatever doesn't work, doesn't work, you throw it away. You tend to find a film that you have to be a bit more reserved, so you're actually a bit more choosy about what you shoot. So you're not, not shooting anything, so you're trying to find the subject, you're trying to find the right light, you're trying to find everything about it before you commit. Oh, absolutely. I will often see a scene 
that looks really cool through my eyeball yep. and I will, you know, have the camera there and I'll be framing it up and framing it up and it just it just doesn't, doesn't and I just work. don't take it. Yep, exactly. So Otherwise, some, that's two bucks. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. If you press that shut, I mean. That's right. I'll do a lot of street photography and street photography is one of those things that, and I love Brisbane City and I love getting out there and sometimes I'll go in the city and I'll do a, we'll do a kind of walk around the city and might walk five to ten k's around the city on a weekend. Sometimes I'll take lots of photos and other days I take no photos because the same thing. You look and go, no, this is not working. It doesn't work. It doesn't yeah, work. It just doesn't just, translate. And you know, so you're, you're not going to take it and just, yeah. For the sake of taking a photo. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes I, I come back with very little and then other times I come back with a, with a whole heap of stuff because there was a lot of really cool stuff happening and you want to try and capture it. So it's interesting. And, again, I think for photographers listening sometimes – People sometimes feel guilty, I think, if they go out and they don't capture something. But it's actually that's a part of the process. So that's okay not to take a photo as well. Absolutely. That happens often. Yeah. I, I will keep a camera in my bag all the time. And like you say, sometimes, some days I might just take one really cool photo that I've yep. seen and other days I'll take a, you know, do a whole roll and other days I don't take any at all. And I think maybe that's about practicing and refining seeing images as well um, and not just taking something for the sake of taking it, like refining that skill of seeing a scene, knowing it would translate well, knowing how to shoot it. So, yeah, it's good It's good practice. It is good practice. And some photographers use the, the technique too where they actually just mentally take a photo. So you're actually not physically committing to film, but you look at the scene and you just mentally say, if that was a photo snap, this is what, how it would be. And it's a good way of training yourself because, I mean, one of the things that I've kind of, I suppose, understood more is that not everyone can take a photo. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people like I've done a lot of photography lessons for people and some people mm. you get them and you teach them the, the, the technical stuff so they can actually expose correctly and do all that. And then, but they just can't get the composition. So they try and they just, the more they try, they just kind of just can't make a gel. And other people just pick up the camera and whatever they point at, just amazing. Oh, I know, right? Isn't that annoying? <laughs> yes. And you're absolutely right. I, I don't know that I don't know that it can be taught and it's possibly either something that you either have or don't have that able to see a good photo or whether it just, it also could just come with just a ton of experience yeah. of I think, you I know, think taking both... a photo and then like, hey, that one actually worked out really well. What is it about that photo that's turned out really well? And and it was interesting. One, one of the photographers that we had on this um, podcast a few years back, he got into photography quite um, late, but he, he took a, a photo, he's at the beach and he... Um, with one of his kids and his kids are just only, and he'd, he'd just take a camera just for, for the family snacks, but it was never about photography. And he talks about taking this photo and when he got this photo home and had a look at it, it was just something different. Like he just says, that looks so cool and I made it. And that was the catalyst for him to actually then say, oh, there's more to photography than I thought. Like yeah. you can actually do this really cool stuff. And you, I want to take more photos like that. I want like to do that. more of that. Yeah, so it's interesting that people get to that point sometimes and, yeah, they just learn that the magic of you know, photography. And like I said, unfortunately not for everyone. I don't think everyone can be a great photographer. I mean, there's a lot of really good photographers. There's lesser great photographers. Mm. Um, and there's, like I said, there's some, you know, obviously the masters that everyone kind of looks up to. But, yeah, it's interesting. So Yeah, it is interesting. So you grew up with film, so there's a love, there's a natural love of film there. But 
how have you adapted to the digital world? What have, what's, how's that changed your photography? Well, with, the, with Brisbane Camera Hire, it is constantly moving feast. It's constantly changing. And I'll say right now it is just impossible to know everything about everything. There is not a day that goes past that I haven't learnt something new about photography, digital photography, mirrorless photography, video. Uh, I'm try- I've tried to avoid video for as long as possible. Because well, video is a whole new oh, discipline. So, and it is, and I don't, I don't think people realise that just because your camera can do video does not make you a videographer. Mm. It is next level. So, yeah, it's, it, look, it's good fun. It's, it's overwhelming because, like, technology is changing constantly. It is impossible to catch up. So, yeah, it's a um, big learning curve big learning on a curve. daily basis. <laughs> not going to lie. So if you had to pick up a digital camera, what, what digital camera would you, you know, would you prefer to go in and capture the world with? I'm still resisting the mirrorless at the okay. moment. Okay. So did I. I, I I'm, I'll tell you my story in a minute. <laughs> I'm, I'm resist- I'm, I get it. And when the mirrorless sort of first came out, because uh, I shoot Nikon yep. again, thanks, Dad. Yep. So the Z7 came out and I, I just wasn't convinced on this mirrorless situation. It was just like an t- entirely different shooting experience. Yes. Not good, not bad, but, but different. different. Yes. And I thought, oh, I can't get on board with this. So I'm... But I forced myself to just take the Z7 and one lens on holiday to Japan yep. for two weeks. Within the first day, I'm in love with this mirrorless camera. I was like, this is insane. I'm, this is amazing. Still, the D850 is my favorite camera. Yep. So, but yeah, I, I understand mirrorless and I will have to go there eventually. I think if I did video and it makes sense to have a lighter body of you, you know, using gimbals and stabilizers and yep. stuff, but there's just something about that D850 that I'm still in love with and I'll, that's what I shoot. I'll reach for that every time. Yep. And it's interesting because I resisted, I'm on the other camp, I'm on Canon. Mm-hmm. And again, it's what you kind of grew up with type of stuff and it's kind of, you know, influences. I resisted, you know, when Canon started bringing up mirrorless I got the opportunity to play with some and I was kind of happy that, yep, thank you, I tried it. <laughs> Not going to race out and buy it. Yeah, I'm just going to get my 5D4. I just love, I mean, I've always loved the 5D series, which is like, you know, your, your 850, but in the Canon offering. And I just love that that whole series of the full frame. And I kind of resisted, resisted, resisted. And then, you know, I started hearing people saying, oh, the R5 is so good, you've really got to try it. I was watching that Canon sent me one to play with, and that was kind of, yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, I think if I, like, I don't shoot a lot, not, not um, you know, client work. It's a lot of personal work. I have a few things that I shoot that are just a couple of clients that I just love, and they just pay me in bottles of wine, you know, yep. that sort of thing. But if I was shooting, you know, I think as a full-time photographer or commercially, yes, I would be buying the mirrorless system. Like it just, it makes sense. It's, it just makes your life so much easier. The whole being able now to look through the viewfinder and seeing your image before you yes. take it, can it get any easier now? Like there are no excuses now for bad images because yes. if you're shooting something that's a little bit of a tricky, you know, lighting situation, yep. maybe something's heavily backlit, yes, whereas yep. before you'd be like, oh, I can't need to overexpose that. You know, you're trying to yes, mentally yep. work it out. Yep. This, you see it. You're seeing the results. And the, the other thing I love is being doing events, challenges of events is, 
is reviewing pictures that you've taken on the back of the screen. It's pretty much impossible if you're outside. Yes. Then the fact that you can just put your eye up to the viewfinder and you can actually just review the events to me, like that's that that makes it worth it. But I mean, the thing that and there's been a bit of a kind of I suppose talk about people. Oh, but these cameras making photographers lazy because the eye tracking and that. And I just find what it is, it actually gives you more time to concentrate on your on your. I mean, I'd always be focusing, if I was taking a picture of a person, I'd be wanting to try and get their eyes sharp. So you're kind of really, that's what you're concentrating on. Yes. And your composition may drop off because you're just really, I want to get the focus right. Now, I trust the camera so much on the focusing. Yes. I can concentrate more on composition and getting that person in the right position. To me, so it's, it's a great tool and it's not cheating. It actually helps you become a better photographer. I totally agree with what you're saying. Mm. It's not cheating. They had eye tracking. Well, they had eye focus back in the film cameras where the camera would know where your eye was looking, which is a little bit different now because now it tracks your subject's eyeball, which is cool as well. But they've had that technology for a while, so it's only a matter of time before they brought that back. And, yeah, it's just about making – it's not cheating. It's about making your life easier so that you can put your concentration into getting a better image without having to worry about those little finer details. If the camera can do that and it does a really awesome job of it, like I said, I would be buying mirrorless if that was my if my life depended on it. I would be yes, yeah. And I think that's that's the thing. Like a lot of people are sitting on the fence at the moment. They're still sitting on the in the DSLR camp. And they're not not sure which way to go. And I think it doesn't matter now which camp you're in, camera wise. That all of them have really good mirrorless offerings now. So you've got choices out there for people to be able to jump in and go with their chosen brand and and get a really good camera. Yeah, get some great results. And like I said. Yeah, I mean, for people who think it's cheating, it's not cheating. It's just, it's a, I think the camera has always been a tool. Yes. And it's how you use that tool. And like anything, you can make your job, do your job better is a plus and you're going to go for it. Well, there's been advancements the whole time. This is just another wave of advancements, albeit major ones, but yeah. yeah. Moving forward, the scariest stuff that's going to be probably happening for photographers is the AI side of stuff. You know, we're seeing it now in post, a lot of AI coming into post where you go, oh, you don't care about the sky. I oh, will make a really nice sky for you or do so, whatever. To me, that's kind of like I'm still I'm still kind of not in that camp of saying that's really right. You think that's a little bit cheating now? I think, it's, I think <laughs> that's, that is crossing the line <laughs> because I think, look, I don't know about you as a photographer, but I, I tend to like to have truth in my pictures. Mm. And that was one great thing about film photography, that they're very truthful, those pictures, right? These days... With suddenly, I was having this conversation with a photographer the other day, and this he's got a friend who shoots a lot of stuff and does a lot of post. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he put up an, an amazing picture, and then this photographer said, "But is it is it real?" And he's going, "Oh, you know, this is actually this is actually captured in camera." But mm. that person had posted so much stuff before that that people were questioning. They're like. You know, is it real? Is it real? Yeah, it's, and and it's it, with the whole. Is it real? It it could be one of two things. It could be enhancing the things that were already there through post, which is that's okay. It, you know, it is still a true image. But then there is completely manipulating and a building, as you say, building a whole new image from from scratch. And both of those are skill sets. I I don't possess. <laughs> no, and I think it, look, I think it's a challenge for photographers, and I think we're there's always going to be there's always going to be a need for photographers, but the areas for, for photographers is going to change. I can see the challenges like in around people who do product photography. 
AI can just come in and again, and really kind of change that space. And you've seen you know, a couple of companies acquire these digital um, studios that kind of can automate stuff. And we're seeing stuff with the artificial intelligence, with the you know the you know text to to image where you just tell, I want a picture of a I want a picture of a tiger sitting on a mountain with the sun in the background, and the AI creates that picture yes. for you. Yes. For advertising, that's just like an advertiser's dream. Right, they can have exactly what yeah. they want built. You know, for instead them. of doing this massive big composite image where they've got to bring all these elements mm. together, and then you know put it together and make it look like it's real. That's where it's going to change it. But I think where it's going to be, where AI is not going to be able to compete is like particularly in shooting people and portrait type stuff and, you know, wedding photographers and that. I, You know, really, you know, there's no way that AI is going to come in and going to have a robot come in and shoot your wedding. It's just not No, going to certainly not. I think you're right though. Products, I mean, is ripe for that exact thing. Products that can be done in a controlled environment, it's in a studio It'd be interesting. The other one that comes to mind is maybe real estate. Yes, yeah. Uh, that that could probably quite easily just be done with a, as you say, like a robot goes in. Yep. Well, I've seen the, of the room. I, look, I know someone who does some of the stuff with the camera. You just sit in the middle of the room and it just scans the whole room. Yes. Yeah. Does the whole kind of three sixty thing and and stitches the whole thing together, mm. and it's just basically the operator sets it up and then walks out walks of the out. room and let it do its thing. Yep. And, then, and there's a formula to that. All the real estate images are all, you know what you're going to get. There's not really any surprises in real estate imagery. Yeah. And so it's a formula and you can just program that into something. That's yeah. right. And it can just do it. So, mm. but I think the, like the, the future for like people asked about photographers is still going to be a huge future for photography. Yes, it's going to change and we're going to continue to see technology come along and, and help. So with your um, stuff at, at Brisbane Camera High, what, you know, has a has a mirrorless something that you've people have wanted to hire? Is that something that people are trying it to see if they can like it? Yes, definitely for Sony, yep. who were, I guess, very early adopters of the mirrorless. Well, I think they they were they they got off on the they got off the blocks early. They did. You know, they kind of came come off an offering that was quite good. They did, and then yes. people went said, "Okay, this is okay." And then, of course, now you've had then everyone else has played. Yeah, you know, caught up. Caught up. Yeah. So Sony with mirrorless wise, Sony still is, even though now we have other offerings with you know Canon Nick on other brands, but Sony still would be our most popular mirrorless hire. Yeah. Um, we can be booked out of mirrorless cameras or close to sort of every weekend. I see people now are moving over to you know they're finally you know the cameras have died or it's not worth fixing and they're kind of eventually forced you know yes, into yeah. a into well we're gonna become realist now and so obviously investing in the bodies but lenses you know we just can't keep up with the lens hire inquiries can you lenses every day because as you said before these lenses are so expensive yes. so expensive they feel like they're more expensive than others even you know back when you know, like an ef twenty four seventy. I still don't feel like it was this expensive initially. So, yeah, I think people are going mirrorless because their cameras are coming to their end of their, their useful lives, investing in a body, but then it's going to take such a long time to to build up that kit again with all the native mirrorless lenses and accessories. It's not cheap. And for some of the so some of the brands at the moment, they've got a few holes in the mirrorless lineup. So there's mm. some, some lenses are kind of notably missing. Yes. You know, some of them don't offer like a, you know, um, a 1.2 in – different uh, focal lengths yes, in the primes yet. and so you know we're we're 
people are looking for that? Was are they sticking with their older kit? Um, yeah, they're just chucking an adapter on a lens they have. Yeah, and, yeah, and doing that. So and that works okay. So that that's good. It as does. Well. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah, we do that a lot. If if people if they want you know the RF version of something, we don't have it. Pretty much everyone is happy with an adapter and a. And I found my experience has been with the adapters. I haven't. I've got. I'm building my kit of RF lenses up to to match my mirrorless bodies, but I still have a lot of EF glass. Mm. Um, but I find when I use them off the adapter, that's, that, there's no there's no kind of trade offs. They work. I haven't fine. found. I haven't found any image quality difference no. or, or anything different. It's even the autofocus. The autofocus is snappy. It's yeah. like it's not like I agree. You're losing anything. So yeah. Mm. So I think that's a, that was smart by some of the manufacturers to have that so people can transition. Yes. So yes. They, don't, they don't have to jump in boots and all and buy all this new lens kit as well. No, there might be a few people that would have just dropped out at that point. Yes. You know, yeah. because it's like, well I I, I just can't justify investing gosh, what would it be? Ten grand at least, yes, you know, yeah. for a camera and a couple of lenses. lenses to be like, well, you know, it's just a hobby or I don't do it full time and people may have just dropped out at that point. So yeah. mm. So with your your personal photography, you talked you touched on personal projects before and personal projects is something that um I just hundred percent believe in that, you know, if you're a photographer, you should have a couple of personal projects that you're doing it's just so good for the soul. It's so good for everything about your photography. Can you tell us about any of the personal projects that you've done? They're all so random and quirky. And that's what's great about it. <laughs> so random. I'll, I'll start you off so you don't feel so bad, just in case. Okay. I did a trip through the US and I did a fire hydrant. I, just, <laughs> I shot pictures of fire hydrants everywhere I went, right? I've awesome. done it around the world. I've shot street, just street lamps mm-hmm. because there's so when you start looking up, there's so many different ones. <laughs> There and, you go, see, and then it gives you a, a a mission when you go out with your camera and you, that's, you're looking what, for that, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for, for that next different, you know, mm-hmm. fire hydrant or street light. So I've done, you know, I've done doors. <laughs> I've not been traveling. I've done all these weird things. So tell us something about what you've done. Well, the, well last time I went traveling, well, I thought Japan was my last trip and then before that I went to Vietnam. Uh, and so I did a, a photo series of the dogs of Saigon. It was, yep. it was called my photo series. Uh, so, yeah, because they're all... <laughs> It's just right. Started off with one dog with these puppies. I was like, oh, that's really cute. And then I realized there's actually dogs everywhere. Yeah, yes. Everywhere. All different dogs. And so then I just got very single mindedly had to get a photo of every dog on the trip. So that that was pretty much exclusively just a trip, a photo of dogs. Yep. Um, the last really cool photo project that I actually completed, um, apart from the dogs, was I shot the, I had this idea I wanted to shoot the emergency services personnel. Okay, yeah. So Triple O yep. was the name of my concept idea. And I had this vision. It was going to be a triptych of the police, the fire, and the paramedics. Yep. And I really wanted to challenge myself lighting-wise. So it ended up being a six-light setup, gelled light. Yep. So much planning went into it with because I wanted like a red and a blue light in yes. all of them yes. because they all have red because and blue that, lights. that has a significance, But yep. then each emergency service has um, a different light on them for like their uniform colour, you know, blue or yes, teal yep. or whatnot. So that was an ambitious project because I, I realised how hard it was going to be to get permission to shoot the personnel in yep. their uniforms. Yep. And so... 
yeah, it took just months and months to get it all sorted, just one by one, getting them into the studio with this crazy six light setup and trying to make sure the lights were consistent you yep. know, every time. Randomly, QPS were the most laid back of all of them. I was like, yeah, no worries, come in in a marked car and all the guns and stuff. I was like, wow, these guys are really <laughs> relaxed. And anyway, I shot, and I was so I was so happy at the end. It's like it turned out exactly how I wanted. And I thought, you know what? Finally, I've actually shot something that I could put in for the AOPP awards. Yep. Never managed to do that. Uh, then COVID <laughs> hit, and then there were no awards for a couple of years, and then there's no more awards. So I'm sitting on these images. I'm so proud of, and I'm like, oh well, it was a fun experience anyway. Oh, I tell you what, I've got the perfect thing for you to put them into oh, this year. Okay. You should submit them into the Click Awards from the Canon Collective, which will be. I should. Mm. Oh, okay. Yes, we'll talk about that off air. So we'll do that off air. <laughs> so that's that's. So look, that's that's cool because I mean, obviously, that was very satisfying for you as a photographer to be able to to bring all that together. And this challenge is, like I said, dealing with authorities trying to get permission, which I've, you know, in previous things I've tried to do, I've tried, I've had this really cool idea, but nobody else can see that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you just can't make it happen as much as you try. And yeah, this is yeah. To be fa- to be fair, couldn't get permission from the fire service. Yeah. So ended up had uh, a, someone that worked in the fire service that was like, I'll just come and do it, but. He couldn't get permission, and so we had to shoot it deliberately so that he wasn't identified in any way. So it was yes. like photoshopping his name, like off of his gloves, and obscuring his face and yep. that sort of thing. So, so yeah, it was difficult but fun. And it's kind of interesting because look, that's one of the challenges sometimes when you've got an idea. There's some legalities that you have to work around, and that's like a, not everyone sees the big picture the way you see it. No, no, they just don't get it. Like, no, you're crazy. Look, I had this great idea for a you know, podcast, and look. True crimes are really kind of a you know big thing. People up recruit and I you know, approached the Queensland Police and said I'd love to talk to some people and it just gets like into a loop of you know it's, what I mean it's too hard. It gets too it's hard. It's just in the too hard. Basket. And then no one wants to no one wants to put their name to it because if if it's something bad comes from it they don't want to have that absolutely they don't want to have that thing. So that's one of the challenges of dealing with government. So but I mean it's good that you can do something that you can control. But like I said, so I've just tried to encourage as many photographers to do personal projects because I just think, you know, it is such a great way to build yourself as a photographer and, and kind of gives you so much, I don't know what the right words for it, but it kind of like it does give you, just builds up your reservoir. Just Well, it, it does and it's it's something I do personal projects to really push myself in a lot of aspects of comfort zone. Yes. Um, and that's a, that's a part without, of the challenge, doing yes. things that you n- normally wouldn't do. Yes, or I'm not quite confident of doing this. And, and you're able to do it without the fear of disappointing anyone else. If it doesn't turn out and I didn't get one. these images, I don't show anyone, you know, I'm disappointed, you know. Yeah. But it's not, I'm not practising on like a paying client or, yes. yeah, it's just for me, it's usually I'm trying to, yeah, push many aspects of my comfort zone in one in one particular shoot. Um, and if you get something cool, but if you don't, I've learnt a heap along the way anyway. And I think that's the big thing is that you, it's what you learn from the mistakes. And that's what, I mean, every photographer, and they, the great photographers, you just don't see their mistakes. Yes. I mean, but there's plenty of them. There's though. plenty of them. And like I said, so sometimes, I mean, I know it's sometimes like a, you'll have an idea and I've done a lot of kind of experimental photography and working with sound and speakers and putting liquids in them and running different frequencies through and creating these patterns and capturing it and using flash to, you know, freeze it and do all this stuff. 
And sometimes you'll spend a whole day and you just won't get a shot that you're happy with. (laughs) But how much fun was it? But you've learnt so much. Like you've learnt what doesn't work. Yeah. Right? So then next time you do something, you go, well, that didn't work last time. I'm going to try something else. I need to try something else. And you'll go away and have a thought about it. And you go, oh, yeah, okay, maybe I'll do this. And then you'll get the shot. And I think that's you you have to do those things. You have to make mistakes. Yes. It's a bit like in business, like in business you'll make mistakes. And but it's learning from those mistakes so you don't make them again. That's what makes you stronger in business as well. So and again, like you kinda wanna get to being in business for quite a few years and you then wish you just had all that knowledge at the front end. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah, like I said, I'm still learning things every single day, every yeah. single day. I'm winging it 100%. Yeah. And we're in a current business environment too where we're in flux. Things are changing. Business is changing. Like how I run my business now is totally different to how I ran it three years ago. Yeah. And I'm sure you've had to make changes as well. And Definitely. And recently you just did a You've just done a move too. You've just moved into a new building. Yes, huge move. I'm yep. still have, quite traumatized about all of that, but that's okay. We're there now. Yeah, that was a that was a shame. I, I'd been in my last p- place for seven years, but I wanted to redevelop the site, and yep. it was like, out you go. A bit of a theme happening here. <sighs> <laughs> I know. I know. Again, right? But yeah, in a in a random twist of fate, which was not the plan, I've ended up buying the place I'm in now. So yep. I will never get kicked out again, and I can just make this really cool space. The studio's all rebuilt. I'm really happy with it. So, yeah, it'll be there another 10 years yep. at least. So what have, what have you actually done in this building? That you've done, you've got some, you obviously get the, the hire business part of it, but you've also got some studio space. So tell us about the studio space. Yes. Well, we had a little studio in our last place at Cannon Hill, but it was just never big enough. And I, don't, I think studios are just never big enough, no. it turns out, because now I've moved into one twice the size and it's not big enough, yep. as it turns out. So yeah, I, when I had to move, I ended up in in now like an industrial area. So I'm in like a big shed. Yes, it's a tilt slab shed. type building. Yeah, know what a tilt exactly. slab is. Yeah, yes. Um, which is I've never been anywhere like that before. Yeah. It's definitely it's a different vibe. Yes, um, yeah, in the is. area, different people. I don't dislike it. It's very cool. But yeah, now I've got you know all the things that annoyed me about the last studio, like not having enough like headroom. It wasn't high enough. Now it's like oh, go to town. So yep. yeah, when I built this psych. Because you've gone quite high. Um, oh, I'm like, <laughs> let's go as high as – let's go four metres high, right? And, look, I could have saved a bit of money just doing something reasonable, but I thought I will never regret – you know, I'll never walk in there in the morning and go, oh, I wish I hadn't gone four metres yes, high. Yeah. Like, it looks awesome. It gives you headroom to do anything, you know, get low angles yes. or anything you want. And it just – you walk in, it looks imposing. It's a yes. corner. It's high. So, yeah, it's been – it's been really fun. It was challenging to find a builder in this climate that could do that. Yes. And then I had this builder and he got COVID. So I'm pretty proud of myself for what I've achieved. I've only been there two months now and the studio is all built, taking bookings. So yeah, I've got a little office for the camera hire and then uh, the next room over is, is this massive studio, which is really fun. Haven't shot in there yet though. Oh, haven't you? No, <laughs> because I kind of didn't realize it would take so long to build and I had all these studio bookings ah, so and I'm to, starting yeah. to sweat, right, because I don't know that it's going to get done in time. Yeah. So it literally finished, no word of a lie, like 48 hours the before the paint was still dry. <laughs> it wasn't quite dry. Um, yeah, so I'll, I will do a shoot in there. Yeah, yes. well, that's, that's the thing. Sometimes it's kind of like when you've got, your, when you've got a space that you can use, all this other life stuff happens. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, I wanted to christen it. It didn't happen. That's okay. I mean, I'm really blessed because I've got this space here to do 
whatever. And, you know, prior to the pandemic, the podcast thing, we'd just set it up when we did a podcast and we'd just pull it all apart mm. and kind of thing. And then when the pandemic came and we started using the building differently, I could leave, you know, and then we made it more kind of permanent. Because it's annoying to tear it down and set it up all the time, right? Like, oh, yeah, it is. It's, it's like it's time consuming. Uh, it's time consuming. Yeah. So it's kind of like, and then we decide then let's do some things to improve the sound quality and do some other things because we'll do this a bit more often. Yes, yes. So yeah, of, it's been nice to have the opportunity to have this new space, although it wasn't planned, um, and then be able to buy the space. So I know that you know what I'm investing in making this a really cool space. I won't have to pull it out in three no. years' time. And I think that one, one of the big things is the lessons that I learned in business is that um, previously I rented space. Mm. And then if I sat back and looked at all the money I had paid oh. in rent. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and <laughs> had to put is, that I've into I've rented the whole 15 years. Yeah. 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 Like, what were they thinking? Yeah. Well, it, but it's something, like I said, you're not always in the position like rent, you know, renting is part of your business. So it's actually. <laughs> right. I was just. I was just doing it too. That's it. So yeah. it works for so many people and it's it's horses for courses. Yeah. And but I think do once you do get to a certain point in your business, it makes sense if you can mm. get into your own building because it gives you now like you've experienced that lack of permanent someone might knock on the door and say, Guess what? We're not renewing your lease. Yeah, you got four weeks to get out. Get out of here. <laughs> That's and what happened. Ah. And I and I, I totally understand it. You are just an address on a spreadsheet to someone. Yeah. Like it's just business. Yeah. But it it's very disruptive, and I, I, I honestly thought I had worried this might, this might finish me off. You yeah, know, this might be the end of it. When I was given four weeks to yeah. move out, I thought I didn't even know if I'll find anywhere in that amount of time. That's in, I, and to be, I didn't get out in four weeks. I tried, but I didn't. Yeah, and I thought if I don't find somewhere, I'll just, this could actually finish someone's business. I might yes. have to close down if I can't find somewhere. So, you know, luckily that didn't happen, and it's I'm making it making it work. Exactly. So. Just going back, because I'm always interested in people's, you know, photography, but do you have a style that you would, how you consider your photography? Do I have a style of photography? Mm. Um, that's a hard question because I shoot with such a wide variety of cameras that every time I pick my film cameras, every time I pick one up, you shoot it in a different way. Yep. So I've got the, the X-Pan with me today, which is a panoramic yep. image, which is actually very hard to shoot because that whole panel needs to make sense rather than just take a photo of something and it's got this empty space on either side, right? Because yeah. you could have shot that with anything. So the whole panorama needs to make sense and be a big story on its own. Yep. Now, this is one of the first, only cameras I will proudly chuck in auto. Yep. Because I find it so, and this is what you were saying before as well, I find it so challenging compositionally Yes. that I don't want to have to think about anything else. So yep. auto, not ashamed, auto, and then I can just really nail that composition. So I think every camera I pick up instinctively just makes me shoot a slightly different style because they're just different. You know, it could be six by six square or yep. I've got the panorama today. And so then that challenges you again to see a scene differently depending on what format you've got with you. So Some of your monochrome images seem to me it kind of they're very moody. Mm. So yes. that's yeah. kind of the that style I see that style come through. Definitely. Um, in that where you 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 wouldn't know when it was shot. Yep. 
It's very timeless. timeless. Yes. Yeah. I do love that about photography that you can take a shot today that could have been taken 50 years ago. Yes. If you yeah. know how to take it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Just thinking with your um, panoramic and camera and talking about thing, I'm thinking, you know, somewhere like Sideshow Alley at the exhibition because there's so much happening. Yes. Hundred percent. That would this. just be perfect. It would be perfect for it because everywhere you look, there's if you just happening. line that up, there's something up. There's a group of people there, yes. or there's a they're doing this. There's a cow that. over there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But it is a challenging camera to shoot for sure. It takes me a while to get through that that film, although it doesn't don't get many shots on a roll on that one. So I've, I've actually not since I sold my scanner, I haven't had anyone scan as panoramic oh, okay. so i don't even know if i can get the scan Scander. these days i don't even yeah. know oh someone should I'll be able to do it, it. i mean like stitch I said, it together on a cup so i don't know yeah yeah mm. i mean there's i think that's the good thing is there's still so many people invested in that technology that they're still providing services out there so thank goodness yeah, yeah thank goodness i think the, you know the thing film's not dead definitely not <laughs> no <laughs> it's definitely a, not it's a thing Susan, where would people, is there somewhere that people could find some of your personal work? Is it up on a website somewhere? Do you have a portfolio? Do you have, what do, what do you I have? I do. Oh. I do. I have my websites just quietly up there in the background, which is just my name. It's just susangravina.com. Cool. And we'll put that in the show notes so people can, can actually go, can go and have a look. <laughs> and so there's a bit of everything on there? A bit or? of everything on there. Yeah. yeah. Bit of weddings, bit of travel, bit of street, bit of everything. Yeah. So I'll yeah. get a bit of a bit of an understanding about where you're coming from as a photographer. Yeah. And also, obviously, we'll put up their Brisbane camera hire. We'll put up the details for that as well because yeah. that would be really cool for people yeah. to go. Absolutely. I'm going to – I haven't – you were the first to hear about it. I'm actually having an open day at the the new premises on the 18th of September. Okay. So, yeah, I'm doing the works of that at the moment. So, um, yeah, I'll chat to you about that and people can come down and have a look and there's cool things happening. So Cool. That's, I think that's um, exciting. I think if you've got something – to show people, you know, you, you, yeah, you well, show. Yeah, catch up down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Them and it's cool because I actually dropped in and had a look at your show when you weren't there. I was actually working around the corner. I knew Darren would be there. Yes. He normally works Wednesdays. Wednesdays, yep. And I thought, oh, and I looked on the, you know, the, the GPS thing and said, oh, I was only like about two Ks away. I'm going, oh, I've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> you were at the repair shop, I bet. No, no, <laughs> no. No, you no, no, I was doing, I was at a client um, uh-huh. servicing their alarm system, but, yeah, um, which is my other business. So I kind of, and I, yeah, just ducked in, had a look, and I think the um, site wasn't quite finished. Mm-hmm. I think it's still trying to get plastered to dry. <laughs> it wouldn't dry. Oh my goodness! It rained. That was when it was raining. Yes, it rained yes. for weeks on end, and the plaster wouldn't dry, and we we're just tearing our hair out. Yeah, yeah. But it's all done now, so it's yep. it's good. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, Susan, look, it's been an absolute delight coming and just learning a little bit about you and your photography and your origins, where you started, and obviously the passion you got for photography and. And how that kind of flows across now into your business that you kind of can, you know, you can kind of help people on their journey getting into photography and and, um, and that. So, look, thank you for coming in and chatting. Oh, definitely, for sure. Thanks for the chat. No worries. My pleasure. Thank you.